All right, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, having survived the uh, heat and the storms in the bunker, uh, (laughs) I have emerged to... uh, do a show with with Adam. <laughs> I'm kind of stunned the amount of you know wet from sweat, wet from rain. I was like, what a week! Just uh, nature is like reflective of everything that's going on in the world right now. I think. But what is that pathetic fallacy? Is that right? It's been a long time. Mm, it must be a long weekend because uh, we're making less sense than usual. Yeah, but- <laughs> that's my pathetic attempt at trying to sound like. I learned an individual here, but yeah. <laughs> trying, to class, trying to classes join up with like logical fallacies and uh, who needs it? Anyway. Someone open... will correct us on that though, right? <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting for your email. Yeah. <laughs> open Source is the CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. We are here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. Which this week will be Hannah Gavro-Turner, Maura Wincup, and Desi Faquette, who are the organizers of today's Cancel Canada Day March Downtown. And they will talk to us about their efforts to raise awareness locally around Indigenous issues and the ongoing effects on Indigenous people due to the residential school system. That will be at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about the political back and forth about what it means to, quote unquote, cancel Canada Day. But first, and uh, listener discretion is advised because Mm -hmm. we are going to dig into the latest uh, discoveries on the former grounds of residential schools. Last week, over 700 unmarked graves at the Maryville Indian Residential School in Saskatchewan. And then on Wednesday, it was 182 graves at the St. Eugene's Mission Residential School near Cranbrook. So that is well over a thousand mass graves that have been uncovered in just the last month or so. Uh, A sheer handful from what we understand from the Truth and Reconciliation Report about what's out there. But I think we have to get ready for these sort of regular updates and announcements about um, this history that we thought was buried. It turns out um, buried a little too well. Oh, for sure. And the uh, you you mentioned like three or four places there, and that one, the latest one in, in Cranbrook, was kind of uh, breaking news. Let's say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the, the number I mentioned, and these it's all grim statistics. Was was somewhere in the range of three thousand to five thousand was the estimate from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report from survivors that they interviewed, and I think records that they were maybe able to find. And but, that's a low ball. Yeah, it is a low ball because that you've only named, or there are only three or four places so far, and it's it's. The, the total is is mind blowing already, um, and locally, this I heard there was that the ground search was beginning at the uh, former uh, Mohawk Institute in in Brantford. It's now the the Woodland Cultural Center, which has been on the local news quite a bit, and they have been doing 
a lot of the groups have been have been doing their own homework to try and piece together what's going on. And part of the problem is there's records missing. There's gaps. It sounds like that there there is some fear with the the rash of uh, church burnings that are has been going on, and that happened as well on Wednesday or Tuesday early or early morning Wednesday, I guess, Mm -hmm. in North of Edmonton, another, I believe that's either five or six churches now have just been, uh, have had suspicious fires, let's say, without reading too much into it so far, but it's, you know, BC, uh, Alberta and Nova Scotia. So there's obviously a pattern there, but anyway, going back to the missing records, uh, there's estimates in Brantford that there are between 30 and there were between 30 and 50 deaths at the institution, but of course mm-hmm. they're not they're not certain as to whether there are graves there. But the pattern so far mm-hmm. has been that there are there will be graves, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some of the institutions have had moved and uh, had burnt down even back in the day, but uh, this it it is something that's we're going to be continuing hearing it and i hope we don't get to the point where it's it just becomes it's another day it's another week and it's another residential school there is there is um i have a concern about that it's going to be we're just going to be so subjected to this that people will just tune out and that's that that can't happen yeah and that's something i i talk about with uh our three um local indigenous friends who are organizing the the cancel Canada Day march mm-hmm. about you know how how do we stop from becoming numb and the mohawk residential school is a new, unique case because i think it moved three times mm-hmm. um and it be, i mean it was just open so long that it, it had to be moved twice so it was in three different locations so i mean there is extra pressure on that community to to try and, and unearth everything that happened there and the the the, the, the thing about the 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 school records and the catholic church holding those records i mean this is a particular thing because you know talk about knowing where the bodies are buried i mean yeah a lot of schools um i can't remember i think it was david mcdonald who i was talking to for the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he said you Mm -hmm. know there, there were residential schools where they closed them down tore them down and uh like just even everything inside it just became like garbage just got all in the bin in the bin yeah so like school books other supplies right down to you know the filing cabinets full of the records so i mean some records are just gone but the catholic church is kind of a famous hoarder and so so there are records somewhere so i mean that's why it's also more disturbing that we get this report um, the Globe and Mail, a, an interview with Archbishop Richard Gagnon about how he says, oh, we're not going to release, I'm not going to ask the Pope to release any records. I'm not going to ask the Pope to do any apology. And it's just like, how tone deaf are we still in the Catholic Church? And then you get this guy in Mississauga, Owen Keenan, who has since had to step down, mm-hmm. but he gets up at the pulpit. Also, Mayor Bonnie Crombie's church. I don't think that got nearly enough play, that this was oh. Mary Bonnie Crombie's church, yeah. uh, her pastor. And he gets up at the pulpit and says, you know what? Nobody's talking about the good residential schools did. And it's like, dude, uh, I mean, how, how stupid do you have to be to pull this kind of boner months after 
Aaron O'Toole pulled it. Aaron O'Toole tried that same shtick months ago, and now you're trying it? Get out of here. People already want to burn down Catholic churches, and they are. It's just, uh, you know, the, the church just is not helping itself here. And I think in so much as, like, all this history is disappointing, just the, the complete lack of tone deafness from the church and its leaders, even its Canadian leaders. And, and, and there are leaders in the Catholic Church who have come out to offer apologies mm-hmm. and and made offers of reconciliation and just recognize the tragedy. But the top-tier guys still haven't got the message. And I don't care what kind of plans you have to, to get indigenous leaders on a plane to go and see, you know, Pope Frank back home. It, it's just people are wanting action now, and clearly mm-hmm. the the like the vandalism and the fires is it, just a response. It's it, it's an answer to a complete vacuum of understanding and support that people are just not getting from the Catholic Church. Absolutely, and it sounds like I saw um, Perry Bellegarde was on speaking about how they have. The senior indigenous leaders are going to have a meeting with with the Pope in December, I believe, end of December. Mm-hmm. And he had said, we're, we're going to ask for an apology, but couching it with there are no guarantees and they're not. I, I personally don't think <clears throat> that he is uh, the Pope is going to apologize. It, it'll, it'll be this roundabout language, almost in political style, where it's like, you know, yeah. we are... There may not be a sorry come out, but it'll be, well, you know, we, we recognize blah, 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 right? <laughs> uh, and in other uh, tone-deaf Catholic church news, it was reported this <laughs> week in the CBC, and I'm sure you heard this, Adam, about the uh, how there was the $25 million settlement for residential yes. school survivors. It was passed yes. in, I think it's like 15 years ago, the survivor's agreement. Yeah. And there was there was it was arranged that the Catholic Church will raise twenty five million dollars to give to survivors, which probably works out to not much. Thirty cents it. each. Is it? Yep, thirty cents each. Thirty cents each. Yep. Wow. See there, there there's a twist. I didn't actually know that. But <laughs> in at any rate, there's the comparison being made to the fact that they're able to raise twenty eight point five million, no problem, for a new cathedral in Saskatoon. But they've managed to, uh, and there's no other way to put this, to weasel out of paying this settlement money because there was some some problem with the legalese. You know, you must make best efforts to raise this money. So that means if you can find an out, you will. If you don't have to do it, you won't. If you're not forced to, it's, it's just not going to happen, right? So well, they somehow... The 20- yeah, forget the twenty-five million for that church in Saskatchewan. Think about the billion dollars with a B mm-hmm. for the for the Notre Dame Cathedral. It's like, yeah, I'd like a nice-looking building too, but are you going to tell me that thing wasn't insured? <laughs> that you, yeah. your, your your heritage building, uh, standing for a thousand years in the, in the middle of downtown Paris, wasn't insured? Come on, that dumped like tons of lead into the surrounding area and it'll probably won't be right for a long time. But that's another story, I guess. But again, yeah, Burnt Church. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that too. I mean, Canada is a place that has a place called Burnt Church. Well, the church is like, oh, the churches are burning down. It's like, we there is a place called Burnt Church in Canada. It's like, um, it's not really a, a, it shouldn't really be that shocking that's happening. As, you know, as to, we'll leave to others to judge as to whether it's right or not. I will anyway. Um, well, there was I mean, obviously you you, sorry just you know you obviously don't want to live in a world where you have to like commit arson to get attention for an issue 
But again, it, it's, I, I think, you know, people marching through downtown and shutting down the road, I think is a relative, I mean, people don't start off with shutting down the road to march. That is a, 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 a more aggravated response to, by a people who feel like they're not being listened to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where we are. The next level after that is the anarchy of like burning places down. Of course, we don't want to get to that. And we, and I, I will speak for myself. I don't condone like burning places down. But again, it is a response to a complete lack of, of vacuum. It would be like nobody expects pope francis to come here and like shake every hand and apologize to every single indigenous person would be nice and you know they may be planning something more elaborate if he ever gets the chance to come to canada but you know why can't he just go to the balcony and say you know what stuff went down and i speaking on behalf of the catholic church which i'm allowed to do as the pope apologize and we will set out to start making restitution and then start tackling the rest of this it's the complete lack of understanding people are responding to. And I mean, at the end of the day, people don't want to burn stuff down either. They just want people, they just want to feel like they're being heard. And that mm-hmm. that's kind of the core problem with the Catholic church. The response from the church's end in many of the cases, people, indigenous people just feel like they're not being heard. Yeah. And I would extend that to the abuse scandal as well. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe the holdback is, Sorry, I mean the abuse scandal that goes beyond just the indigenous peoples of, well, of Canada and of other places in the world. Um, in that maybe they see an admission that's like it'll just blow everything wide open, which it should. It really should, right? There's, there's no like. You're, you're talking about the, the billions. It, it, if I understand it right, it's like six billion in the Vatican Bank. Like they're not mm. poor, right? This isn't no. like an organ like. The scouts who have also had similar issues in the in the United States are just effectively bankrupt because they don't have any money. But for you know, it's the reason why they got to that point was is the same or at least similar, right? This kind of the well, organization. Also, right. It's also I was going to say it's also to say nothing of all the real estate the Catholic Church owns as well. Well, and that's it too. And I was thinking that it was like you know most of the places the land was gifted to them as it was in Guelph, right? I would love yep. to see the deed for Catholic Hill. It's like, uh, okay, we're going to establish this town, and John Galt just says, okay, all of the churches get X properties, but because you know Bishop Mac is my pal, you <laughs> get the hill, right? No, and that's I'm, I mean I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it's essentially true. That's what happened, right? Yeah. And then if you go back to the and I was thinking about this because I have both of the the uh, there's more than one history book on Guelph, but there was the older brown one from the 70s. And then there was the newer one that brought us to the year 2000. And I remember in the older one, there was this kind of the way it was written being the 70s. Was, they were trying to make it sound like, well, there was no one actually here. And that's mm-hmm. that's a, that's a recurring theme, right, in, in older histories such as that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh well, no, they were they were gone or they were absorbed or it was like, well, no, they just they just came here to fish and then they went away. It's like, well, <laughs> that definitely needs a rewrite and is hopefully being wiped. I believe that that kind of stuff, not just to Guelph, but you know, for the whole nation, is being rewritten because we know it's it's kind of bogus. Well, at the very least, the library is open again, so you can uh, oh, go down can. and, and uh, get those. <laughs> I mean, you could always get books while the library is closed, but I mean, if you just want to walk down the stacks again, uh, you can do that. I'm going to stick uh, up for a little while longer, I think. 
<laughs> uh, well, speaking of sticking with the past, uh, there has been a debate this year about whether or not Canada Day festivities should be held in the wake of just all of this bad news in the last month. Uh, some communities have gone forth and canceled Canada Day festivities. Here in Guelph, uh, the Rotary Club canceled their fireworks display in Riverside Park. It was mostly out of COVID precaution, but the city of Guelph did attach uh, a press release to that saying that it is a chance to um, have uh, some time to reflect over uh, matters of reconciliation and uh, truth that have come out over the last month. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, the leader of the Conservative Party, meanwhile, has um, set himself up as the last defender of Canada. And in his words, the only uh, federal leader that is interested in being Canada's prime minister from a positive perspective. So uh, it is time for our recurring segment. Uh, why does <laughs> Why does Aaron O'Toole say these things? <laughs> oh, the the deep attempts to differentiate himself from the rest of the pack. Right, you've got all those other leftists, the radical left, and then there's me. And I love John A. so much, how dare you, etc. I mean, some of his little bits, if you go back in time, they, they have not aged well. When the Langevin block was renamed, just stuff like that. This is like so on point as to what is going on right now in terms of like what not to do. Right. Like you mm-hmm. like you mentioned the uh, pastor or whatever the heck he was in Mississauga. It's like, no. Um yeah, everyone likes a holiday, obviously, but the, if there's anything in need of a retooling, it's uh it's Canada Day and how we approach it. Now, just to be clear, mm-hmm. it hasn't actually been canceled. A lot of aspects of Canada Day has been canceled, but it is still a stat holiday tomorrow and people are doing different things. Mm-hmm. I suspect that certain people are going to double down and have 10 times as many fireworks just because, you know, how dare you cancel my fireworks, right? That's going to happen, right? But generally, there is a different tone this year. I've, I've, jokingly called Canada Day like Adenac Day for a long, long time because I'm really someone who's indifferent to it. And I, But I did notice that, that the giveaway in the newspaper that's normally the folded Canadian flag that you're supposed to put in your window was actually yeah. blank this year. And I don't know if that was just they were trying something different or what, but it was like, you know, <laughs> oh, draw your... Out of bread. <laughs> yeah, could be. It was like, maybe it's cheaper to put in, like, draw your idea of Canada Day. And I thought that was interesting. So there is... There is a bit of change in the air mm-hmm. um, as to whether, I mean, we know that not everybody is going to accept it, but the fact that these types of discussions are going on now um, is is something, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen there's been a few uh, Indigenous leaders on the news, now the mainstream news, mind, but even so. And even the tone from some of them is like, you know, don't, it's like, don't, it was almost like, don't take this the wrong way. Like, yeah. we're not, you know, they, some of them were trying to say that they have benefited from what we call, you know, the settler state that we call Canada in certain ways. Not in all ways, obviously, because of, you know, the topics we've just discussed and more. But I think what they're seem to be trying to say is like, you know, we, is it more along the lines of, should we have more of a reconciliation day or, You know, if you're going to go towards the negative, would it be, could you call it colonization day? There's lots of things you can call Canada Day, right? 
Right. So we could call it Canada Day, but still discuss all of these things. And I just actually heard just before airtime, and I, I didn't even realize, and since we're in radio, I should know this about this the <laughs> radio program that's going Canada-wide. That is strictly going to be Indigenous voices all day, if I understand it right. It's from the, I guess, the Downey Wenjack Fund. Right. Yeah. And I got to thinking about uh, Gord Downey, who is the late Gord Downey, who had, I, in some circles had taken uh, criticism for his, um, you know, I, I think some people saw it as appropriation of a message about Charlie Wenjack. And, um, but he, he may actually be the a type of bridge in his mm-hmm. even though he is gone now it's like if you wanted somebody to broach the subject let's say with your uh typical rock and roll listening canadian who may not know anything about residential schools which is most people right oh yeah and that most there's canadians there's to prove that now <laughs> and when i say canadians i mean settler canadians know of yeah. the tra- i didn't realize the conversation was going to go this way but l- let me finish the point i guess <laughs> I had been thinking about it. It's like if you if you're going to address it with somebody who may have no concept of it, and the, which is most people, which is most settler people have no clue. This is all because they're shocked. People are shocked by this. Maybe maybe Gord Downey and even the you know the fact that he's not even around anymore. This this is it. This is this is a bridge that can be built, and I think that's probably what it's about. Right? It's about creating that link. Right. It's about reconciliation to an extent and not Uh not just like the reconciliation of addressing that past that a lot of people don't know about. Um, I mean, again, I talked about this with David McDonald, like there just comes a point when you're learning Canadian history where indigenous people just aren't a factor anymore. It's like some somewhere between Louis Riel and World War One, you stop talking about indigenous people in Canadian Mm -hmm. history. Um, Yeah. I forget where I was going with this, but that's okay. No, the, <laughs> yeah. the whole, going back to Aaron O'Toole. Yes. I understand why he's doing this. It fits very well in with his cancel. I mean, he ran on cancel culture before it was cool. But, you know, last year when he was running as conservative leader, he was like, I'm running because I want to stick it to the woke and the cancel culture. And, you know, the university leftists and we're going to, yeah, you know. Run. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. So, I mean, this fits comfortably in his his campaign wheelhouse. And I think that's the way he was looking at it. And that's unfortunate because, again, I, I, every time this comes up, like the topic of cancel culture and indigenous people, it's like, well, sorry, indigenous people were literally victims of cancel culture. The country tried to cancel their culture, their language, their history, their traditions. Uh, they are the victims of a very real cancel culture and not this like, I don't want to use right pronouns. You know, so it just yeah. it, it's picking the wrong battle and adding fuel to that fire. Um, an indigenous groups near Calgary were saying, like, let's um, either tone down the Canada Day stuff this year or cancel mm-hmm. it completely, like whatever you want to do. And Michelle Rumpel Gardner chimes in with a tweet, with 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 a tweet, and says, "You know what? You're right. That's the way we should do it this year. Like politics, be damned. It's the right thing to do." And really? I was like, "Yeah, that's shocking." Yeah, Oklahoma MP Michelle Rumpel Gardner. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I joke, but since she's on our side this time, I'll let it slide. I'm, I'm, uh, that's that is <laughs> that is surprising for sure. 
Yeah, so I mean, even she—I don't mean to say she's like obtuse or anything like that, but I mean she's she's a hardball political player as much as anyone. But she understands um, where this is going. Yeah, right. Erin O'Toole is now fighting a war on multiple fronts, and I mean it—it it, it bears out in the polling because apparently the liberals are leading the conservatives in everywhere except the prairies right now. Um, but you know, Erin O'Toole is now fighting a war against. You know, trying. You know, with abortion, they had that sex selection private members bill again. Mm-hmm. Um, the sixty some odd conservative MPs who voted against banning uh, conversion therapy. You have this. You know, I'm going to take a stand against canceling Canada Day because you know Indigenous people, I guess, just need to live with the fact they were nearly wiped out in residential schools. Um, I mean, this kind of stuff plays great to the base, but does not allow him to expand. So I, I just, I don't understand. Uh, where he's going with this. I will also say, on the other hand, there is a flip side to this. The whole, again, okay, I've remembered where I was going, the reconciliation point. There was the reconciliation mm. with Indigenous history, but there's also the reconciliation between Canada the good and Canada the bad. And in the Canada the good category is, of course, people who immigrate here because they're trying to escape war, they're trying to escape famine, they're trying to escape persecution. Um, that That goes across various different minorities, ethnic groups, religious minorities, LGBTQ plus people, um, they see Canada as a salvation, mm-hmm. um, as a safe haven. Just, you know, indigenous people will never afforded that opportunity. So there, there, there is a reconciliation piece separate and apart from the history, um, just in terms of like, how can Canada be both good and bad? Because our brains are just not trained to think about things in in those kind of melded terms, everything has to be good or bad. It, we, we can't really have something as big as a country that can be both good and bad. Our brains just start simply not able to process that. Well, and that's it. I mean, we've never really had the national, uh, there is the truth and reconciliation uh, commission, but I mean, let's just say among mm-hmm. Canadians as a whole, mm-hmm. we've, we've never had the moment of, of, taking the step back and 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 talking about this you know and there's there's there have been opportunities and i wanted to mention this because you're talking somebody who else somebody else is also concerned about cancel culture is doug ford and it was mentioned this <laughs> week about the cancellation and you remember this i remember we talked about it at the time when they mm. canceled the curriculum overhaul it was in progress mm-hmm. and there was people ready to fly into toronto you'd probably just do it with a zoom meeting now but yeah. this was pre-everything <laughs> And uh, somebody had flown in. They're like, I'm actually here to talk about the curriculum. We're going to talk about indigenous content. And but they had canceled it due to efficiencies. But yet this week and it was at that the 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 presser, I think, when he was high on KK cookies or something. I don't know. He didn't look good. Um, And yeah, no, he was he was crashing. He was crashing in front of that combine. It wasn't looking good at all. But he said something to the effect of like, well, it's essential that people learn about residential schools. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, we don't have to look too far back to see that you 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 literally canceled the curriculum that would have taught Ontario students about this. You said no, right? Now, yeah. how how deep are they going to go? We know that corpses are a requirement of colonialism, right? Yeah, is it yeah, going to yeah. be that harsh, or is it going to be because that's the truth? That is the real truth. Loose there. Sorry, I'm just I'm 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 glad in this in the second half there are going to be the uh, the local. Uh, voices that need to be heard on this. Uh, yes, and we're going to get right to that. But bef- before we go to break, I'll just say that if it's fireworks you want, there is an incredibly sketchy uh, 
cargo container kind of business in the parking lot of Willow West Mall with a guy oh. in a Hawaiian shirt. So, I mean, it's not like the fireworks are going anywhere. I mean, this this completely <laughs> reputable looking business is available to you. So That's exciting. Can I get a burning schoolhouse? <laughs> That's my favorite one. Uh, they might be sold out this year. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, come right back with our uh, three indigenous guests. You're listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus, and Community Radio. And that was a Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records. Now open. 21 oh. McDonnell in the downtown. And that was an artist called Lucy Ildout. Although I think she's reverted to her uh, nickname of, of Tatanique. I've seen mm-hmm. both posted. The song is called E5770, My Mother's Name. And if that sounds like an odd title, that's because... Uh, there was a point in time where it would seem the Canadian government couldn't, uh, they couldn't be bothered learning people's names in the North because they thought them too complicated. So they just gave them a number that started with E and the E stood for Eskimo. I think it actually stood for East. Mm. It was West and East numbers. Can you imagine? I mean, this obviously speaks to what we have and will be speaking about, but it's uh, unbelievable. And that's also the name of the album. Lucy Ildout. Check her out Spotify or wherever you can. I think renaming people because you can't pronounce the names is kind of almost the least offensive thing we've done to Indigenous people. Uh, sadly. And we're going to get into that with our guests this week. Uh, Hannah Gavro-Turner, Maura Wincup, and Desi Faquette. And they are the three organizers for the Cancel Canada Day March that happened just a few hours ago in downtown Guelph. And so obviously we talked to them before that since this is all pre-recorded. Um, but this is uh, quite the the informative interview um, because it's always nice to hear from young Indigenous people about uh, where they are and what they're thinking as we try to redress uh systemic wrongs that have been in place for half a millennia so uh without further ado we will uh turn this over to our guests and we will hear from them so i'm now being joined by uh desi faquette hello desi hi and i'm also being joined by mora Wincup. hello mora hello and last but certainly not least, uh, we have Hannah Gavro-Turner. Hannah, how are you? Hi, I'm okay. Understandable response for sure. Um, I just want to start with uh, the event on Thursday is called Cancel Canada Day. And as I'm sure the three of you are aware, 
that has become something of a, a political cudgel in some quarters. Um, so ju- just to start with, you know, cancel Canada Day, what does that phrase mean to you? What does it mean to call this March and, and awareness event cancel Canada Day? So for me, um, it's more like recognition that, you know, the voices of Indigenous are kind of being heard and brought forward. Um, A lot of stuff that is going on have been said for, you know, many, many, many years. And, um, you know, it's finally, you know, time for people to listen. And, you know, I think this, this kind of what's going on right now is just kind of like acknowledge acknowledgement that uh, people are listening and that, you know, finally we have um, like a platform for people to, to say what they've been saying for years and for people to actually listen. Sorry. I, um, I was just going to add on, um, you know, with a lot of the mourning within the different like indigenous communities right now, it's just, not appropriate to celebrate Canada this year with fireworks or (laughs) celebrating Canada because of all the findings at just five locations of residential schools, which, which the number is going to get bigger and people should think, you know, instead of wasting, you know, your money that day on fireworks or celebrating, you should put your money, you know, towards Indigenous, you know, maybe donate to organization, you know, there's different ways um, that allies can support as well. Um, yeah, just to like get our voices to hurt, be heard and stuff, um, to find justice and know that everyone to like to let everyone know that we are still here and we're not gone yet (laughs) we have been here for many years we've just been afraid to use our voices i guess you would say and be shut down yeah um i'm thinking too of uh the last march that took place back at the beginning of june following the, the discovery at kamloops and there, there was a particular line that I found that, that kind of really stuck with me. Somebody said, noting that it was National Indigenous History Month um, and all this sort of history being laid at our feet, they did not want to, you know, have the flag waved in their face. And I think that was the, the sort of the exact quote. They did not want the flag waved in their face on July 1st. And it does seem like this sort of cruel joke, uh, especially this year, that we come to the end of National Indigenous History Month and whammo the first the first day after the end of that month is canada day and all this all the symbolism and all the jingoism that that comes along with that yeah that really stuck to me too i've been going for drives and stuff and i see people with those big trucks and they have those big poles and big canadian flags just flying right in my face as i'm driving and it just makes me so disappointed in us just like come on can we just have one year Mm. where you guys can hear our voices and like let us mourn yeah i also feel like too that um it's kind of like gaslighting to our community you know like i i feel like they know that we're super you know hurt right now um lots of emotions and it's like they're yeah they're they're just gaslighting it and which Mm. you know i kind of think speaks volumes yeah the the gaslighting I, I find that a very um, 
I mean, that that's sort of a raw, a very raw way to put it, but also very accurate. Um, and I wonder, too, is, is there a concern that because, Hannah, you mentioned this, that we've had five kind of discoveries made so far. That is not the end of the story. That is just the beginning of the story. So to, to look at this two ways, um, number one, are you are you anticipating that we have to ha- that we're going to have to have like gatherings like this every time we get a, a discovery at a residential school of, of, you know, mass unmarked graves? And number two, is there a concern that we will get numb to this or not, not necessarily indigenous people, but I mean, the, the settler community you're, you're trying to reach that uh, we will get numb to this as, as sort of more of these discoveries are made and, and the, the more of this history comes pouring out. Um, yeah. Well, what I would like to add in is like um, with more discoveries, if they are to be found, you know, soon it's not just about you know making another vigil and the of course the mornings going to go on our communities are in grief and for each and and one of us you know we're all feeling you know very exhausted and just you know mentally you know drained with all the news and I think that aside um, from all the ideas of bringing the awareness I think that something bigger needs to happen and that Canada needs to start making real changes for Indigenous people which includes giving us back our rights to the land you know that that we were on and was colonized because now knowing like how many of our ancestors they tried like to erase like Desi mentioned that we're still here and you know there's different issues going on and as well as water lack of water clean water at reserves so I think the Canadian government is going to have to um, step up big time. Honestly, I think it's up to the individual, you know, as far as like events and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's it's really up to the community. You know, it's not like one person is kind of leading anything. Um, so it, it's really up to the community. And as far as allies and stuff, you know, it's really up to you guys um, whether or not you choose to want to continue and, you know, feel the pain with us and, and be be hurt and be angry and, you know feel all those emotions or whether or not you're kind of choose to choose to kind of walk away, I guess. Right. I think there's also, because I, I, after the Kamloops uh, discovery, there was this sort of like week long period of like reflection and reevaluation and protests and marches. And then the next week, that was when the terror attack in London happened. And then all of a sudden that was on the front page and we were talking about nothing about Islamophobia for like a week. And it seems like we kind of have this, I don't know if goldfish kind of memory where we can only handle sort of one outrage, one, you know, genocide, one, you know, one thing at a time when it, you know, there is, I mean, all sort of tragedies and, and all matters of sort of ra- fighting racism need to be sort of taken on at the same time. It, it just seems like we we're not built that way that we kind of have to take these things one at a time. So here's 
like in, in my opinion, personally, like we're all kind of in this together. Um, Mm. so, you know, maybe one week, yeah, this, this stuff is happening to us, but then something else happens and, you know, we should all be supporting each other through any hard time, no matter what it is, you know, um, it's not like our problems go away, but you know, we can definitely help raise others up and show support for other people as well. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I would hope so, but I mean, yeah. that's, that's always uh, sort of difficult to, to exercise in, in the practical reality. Yeah, I would just add on, you know, um, you know, a huge chimney glitch, you know, to our friends and allies of Guelph and different um, organizations that are supporting as this event um, day on July 1st, uh, Cancel Canada Day's community led and um, a thank you to those that are being supportive and in these things and raising the voice of other Indigenous individuals as well and um, becoming united and I think that everyone should wear you know orange and that day in awareness for the residential schools. Thinking locally too I mean a big chunk of this is on the Canadian government but I mean there were also a lot of local politicians uh, a lot of city councillors who were there at the the previous march um, back at the beginning of June. Uh, what do you think our local politicians should be doing like what should be the focus of you know mayor guthrie or city council how do how can they be better allies at a, at a local level um do you refer to the um mps well yeah we can include the mps absolutely um i would think you know try starting to support you know indigenous um individuals more and you know um being a voice for them like supporting guiding them because you know many of us have faced you know oppression um in different aspects you know in the past um within Canada and, you know, as well as, you know, with Immigrations Canada, the way it has, um, you know, the things with Indigenous people should change, you know, including like if if they had, you know, a child or a, or a spouse partner that was outside Canada, you know, I see mm. some Indigenous individuals that have had to leave Canada to be with their partner and stay outside Canada a whole long time. And I think it's not fair at all because they have to really distance themselves from their own land and their community. And there are things to change, you know, many things here to change with Indigenous people. International borders, of course, being a settler creation, not an Indigenous one. Yes, I totally agree on that. It's like, as an Indigenous person, why do we have to pay all these fees to bring our partner to Canada, to our land? Like, we're paying to bring them here and all this red tape stuff. I think it's like, um, you know, a bit inappropriate, you know, with Indigenous people and especially like the genocide we've faced, you know, we've always been pushed, you know, to a side, you know, they and things like that, you know, with the Indian Act and, you know, the past individuals couldn't even leave the reserve without a, a, a police official. And it's just, you know, it's crazy. Uh, maybe just uh, for them, just to get a bit more educated on it, maybe, um, you know, and also like just get educated more on what, what land they're on and, you know, 
yeah, just education. Yeah, it would be nice to them to learn more and have education and I don't know, have a indigenous person on the city councilor and to have our voices be heard. And that's what I want. That's what mm-hmm. they need to happen so we could have changes in the community and we can be seen. On, on that note, as, as three indigenous people yourselves, do you feel like you're being seen now? Do you feel like you're being heard? I mean, this is all, this is going to be a long and involved struggle and it already has been. And Hannah talked about already being exhausted, but I mean, can you see things getting better or are, are, is it just like sort of a nominal improvement? You know, you, you can organize a, a big event like this and, and get a lot of traction, but a lot of the base issues are still staying exactly the same. Well, I hope people will come and learn and not just come for that one day to post a photo on Instagram or Facebook and have it all over their social media accounts. I want people to come and learn and be there. And then say we have a next event to come there and be an ally. That's how allies are supposed to be, to come to every event and have our voices be heard and seen and put our voices out there. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of people as well that didn't even know like about residential schools and the other things that it's the first time that they're learning the truth. So I think it's important that day that Indigenous, you know, voices are heard and that the truth is, you know, um, being heard as well. That's a great point, because uh, there, there was actually a poll done that showed that knowledge and awareness about residential schools was actually abysmally low. It was like actually really surprisingly low that um, it just is not part of, I guess, people's normal background knowledge about Canada. It's just it just wasn't there. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to be speaking, you know, on the topics of the schools, not only residential schools, but also the 60s scoop, the Indian day school systems and MMIWG, you know, the missing murdered indigenous woman, as well as other other topics as well. And, you know, the the foster care system within indigenous and how schools on reserve are so underfunded compared, you know, to schools, normal schools in the city. So it's so many things. So one of the things we're doing at the event is we're um, we have some flyers we're going to be handing out on how um, people can actually, you know, take action, get involved. um, So it's not just, you know, people kind of um, are just kind of lost. You know, we have some something set in place for things to move forward and how people can can actually help. I I understand that you are all related to someone who went to a residential school and I think this is kind of the most essential part is raise not just raising awareness of the existence which we've already kind of addressed but raising the awareness that bad stuff happened at residential schools and I guess from your own personal experiences and you don't have to go into details or identify people but I mean if there's one thing you kind of want people to be aware of of your experience as people who are related to people who went to residential schools. I mean, what, what is it you want people to know? What is it you want people to appreciate about, about how this still affects your life and how it wasn't a hundred years ago and, and how this is something you and your family are still dealing with today? 
I would say, you know, the last residential school closed in 1996. That's not too long ago. And, you know, it's not, you know, people don't understand that the children were taken from their homes, you know, with aggression, you know, and taken from their family with force, you know, the houses would be searched. I remember some elders saying that, you know, they would, they would hide the children, you know, some of the kids like in a, in a, in a closet in the hallway or something, the houses would be searched and they would take all the children. And, you know, the, the reason of the residential school was to kill the Indian and the child. They wanted to basically take away the culture, language, everything. You know, a lot of us, um, you know, that our family of, you know, survivors in those systems, you know, we, we've lost, you know, ties, connections to our own culture. We haven't had the chance to even, you know, become fluent in our own Indigenous language because, our parents or grandparents, you know, were they were beaten up or starved or treated very poorly if they spoke their indigenous language. So nowadays, you know, a lot of, of the of the people and youth that are have had families in those systems, they go through, you know, intergenerational trauma is very real. I mean, it's pretty similar, like just to what Hannah said, you know, like it's it doesn't just stop with the people who, who went to those schools, you know, and um, I think a lot of us being so unattached to our culture and where we come from, we don't exactly know how to feel, how to, you know, what to do with this information right now because we are so disconnected. So I think it's really important to, you know, kind of come together in this and like really, what's the right word? Really like, get it out there so people know yeah um definitely you know residential schools you know a lot of the students were like starved you know as well and very nourished very poorly with things like in rotten rotting states so it's very sad and you know a lot of us um you know us um in and all as well as our families you know have had um to deal with things with mental health and reflections um from the intergenerational trauma so it hasn't been easy but there is a phrase and you know we do have hope you know for change you know and there are allies that have showed you know support and to be very amazing people um and something like that i would say is that you know it's time to to listen to the indigenous voices and being not knowing our language or something taken away from us does not make anyone any less indigenous. And that as well as the intergenerational trauma, um, we do carry intergenerational strength from our ancestors. Desi, I'm gonna give you the the last word if there's anything you wanna add. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I mean, like a lot of people grew up with knowing their cousins and their aunts and their uncles and their grandmas. And it's hard for people in the 60s scoops who had their mom or dad or family members grow up in the 60s scoop and ripped apart away from their cultures. And for me, that's for me, that's hard because 
I would have loved to know my grandma, but I was too late and she passed away. Um, and it feels like all my biological family members on the reserve are getting sick. And it just, I feel like I'm running out of time. I feel like my time is running out to know my biological family. And that's mm. one thing that always has hit me hard is that I would have loved to know my family and I still will love to know them and know my culture. And like one day, once this COVID's over, I will be flying down to Manitoba and I will go visit them and I will give them an all big group hug because they know that I'm still here. They didn't even know I existed until four years ago. Wow. So this one thing that I love about my biological family is that they never stopped looking for my mother, my biological mother. And they didn't know she had kids either. So that was a blessing when they found out she had kids. So it's just, it's amazing what kind of community Canada has when we all work together to find one, another, one each other. And that's all I have to say. Uh, that's a heartbreaking way to sort of end the interview. But um, I, I think that's sort of essential to, to what we're talking about. And uh, I, I, of course, we're recording this before the march and, and the interview will air after the march. But I, I do hope that a lot of people show up tomorrow and listen. Um, and I, I look forward to keep listening myself and, and learning more. And this was this was very informative and, and it was such uh, so great to talk to each of you. So Desi Faquette, Mora Wincup, and Hannah Gervaux-Turner, thank you so much for all your time today. Thank you. And so once again, that was Hannah Gavreau-Turner, Maura Wincup, and Desi Faquette. And if you're listening to this, you know how the march went, and maybe you were there. And um, now you have heard from the the women organizing it. And uh, let's not stop the the conversation and the reconciliation efforts. Keep the listening going. And... Um, Maybe next Canada Day, we will have reason to be a little bit more celebratorial. Absolutely. Make Aaron O'Toole happy, you know? Oh, man. He's, he's, he's earned it. That's the last uh, reason. But anyway, that's another show. <laughs> that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. And you can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to this show again. You can download it from our website every Monday. You can get it at the at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Me, myself, am on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I, too, also am at Twitter, uh, Scotty Hertz, Facebook, Scotty Hertz, and... Where else am I? I don't know where I am. I'm here. Uh, for all things CFRU, check out all of the channels, but particularly CFRU.ca will tell you everything you need to know, our scheduling information when shows are on, and all of that great stuff. It is great. And speaking of great, DJ Sounds Good to Me is at the top of the hour here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca. Guelph Campus and Community Radio, we will, of course, be back here next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we will see you then.